Welcome to Turn a Page, the official comic book club for Nerd Initiative. Each week, the NI Bullpen will be covering the world of comics, talking to creators, deep diving into some fantastic stories, and much more. Now let's hand it over to the team and turn a page. And what is going on, everyone? It is Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you are tuned into Nerd Initiative, YouTube, and streaming services for another edition of Turn a Page, the comic book club done by the Nerd Initiative bullpen. What is going on? My name is Ken M. I'm the host of the ODPH podcast, and you also know me as Nerd Initiative's comics editor-in-chief. To my left, your right on screen, take it away. Coming at you live and direct from a folding chair in the UDPH studio. Tis I off the cuff, Tom, your pop culture connoisseur, Nerd Initiative. Ken, as always, a pleasure. Absolutely. Love love the rendition of the Tom Jolu. I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed, which you can find in the liner notes of this episode, no matter where you are. So definitely go out and support Tom. He's amazing. And yes, it is time to talk some comics. Uh, conspicuous by their absence, though, is the dynamic duo of drafts and dialogue. Matt and Lauren from Hopskeeks News, they are recovering from an amazing weekend that they did. We have to give them their flowers. They absolutely crushed Megacon Orlando. So we've been following Nerd Initiative social media, their accounts, which you can see on the QR code right on screen. They had so much content. They had... Panels going on galore, as you saw last week's episode. They completely delivered, and then some. There's a lot of great things coming your way via them and Nerd Initiative, so definitely make sure that you're following all the accounts and you don't miss a moment of the content because, trust me, there's a lot of stuff on the way. So super proud of those guys. They absolutely crushed it. Well, just like good hops, sometimes you either have to crush it, but I'll tell you, those guys really put the grind on it as well, just like good hops and good beer. Exactly, and that's why you should be following their show because they talk about both along with so much more. I mean, seriously, definitely shout out to Matt in the chat. I see him. He's he's popping in there. Earned the time off, but he definitely wanted to contribute for this episode. And like we say, there's a lot of stuff going on in Nerd Initiative, so you want to make sure you follow a very simple code that we do here, and that is the report card we have on the screen. So you make sure you subscribe to wherever you're watching this program, YouTube, Twitch, Kick, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. If wherever you're watching it, make sure you subscribe, hit your bell notifications. Ding. So you don't miss when we go live with all the amazing content coming to Nerd Initiative. Cause there is a lot, some stuff I can't speak about just yet, but there is a lot on the way. Can I talk about it? No, you can't. Okay. And you have to make sure you hit that like button as well, too. So you let our bosses know what you like seeing here at Nerd Initiative. They like seeing us. They do like seeing us, too. So you make sure you click on that QR code. Next month's newsletter is in the works right now. So if you want to find out what's going on at the home of pop culture positivity, it'll be delivered to you via email. So you definitely don't want to miss that. So definitely shout out to Matt in the chat. I see Woo! him in there. And definitely make sure chat, super chat. We want your voice in for this series that we're going to be talking about. Because this has been one of my personal favorites has been in, in all of comics history. And it's been having a little bit of resurgence in arguably the best superhero comic on the shelf right now. And that is Batman Superman World's Finest by Mark Wade and Dan Mora. And they have dabbled back into the universe that we are discussing in this tonight's episode. And that is Kingdom Come. 
So if you've never seen or heard Kingdom Come before, we are going to be deep diving spoilers. It was a series 1996. It came out on the Elseworlds brand. I know with DC, it's been rebranded under the black label. And it is by Mark Wade and painted art by Alex Ross. So you are going to see a lot of images pop up on the screen. Shout out to our guy in the chair, Rich, behind the scenes. because he's, in the chair. He's been very patient about working these amazing scenes out here. Because when we had all this coming to present for the show, it was very hard not to just go through every single page because the art is amazing. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please make sure to put on your glasses because trust me, you're in for a wild ride. The best part is, and as much as we do love Matt and Lauren, uh, that with just me and Ken tonight... Uh, it should be popping up right here, so you know at least our, our you know the money makers won't be will be sharing the spotlight with Alex Ross's art. You know what I'm saying? Well, no, we have the graphics all set up for that, so we are going to be going into tonight's episode of Turn a Page, Kingdom Come. So let us start with page the cover right here alone, seeing this on the screen and just the amazing artwork. Like I say, out of the gate, this caught my eye at the comic shop when it came out and tom i know this is when you first see this i mean what is your reaction well i'll be very honest everybody knows here i'm not big not an old school comics guy mm -hmm. so i have always been intimidated by this book before reading it tonight i know of it i like a few things that i've seen in the artwork but now having to do my homework for this i am so glad and so fortunate i finally was able to just suck this all in it is it's a lot just that first page alone you know you recognize a few characters you see some spins on others and trust me there is a very good reason why and we will be getting into this so please bear with us ladies and gentlemen because you are up for a wild ride absolutely because even right from the opening graphic that you see the page just turns and you see this vivid imagery of the bat facing off with the American eagle and just how they're symbolic right now because where this story really centers around is the DC Trinity, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. So you have a lot of that going on here. And then right from this image, you go to another one that teases what's coming on and you have just this epic fight going on. And epic is, I mean, thrown around a lot per se, but Tom, seeing this image on screen, I mean, how else do you describe it? Polarizing, uh, cloying, um, dramatic. I mean, it's you're they're literally pulling. Okay, for for lack of better words, they're pulling a Boondock Saints. They're showing you the end, and now we got to see how we got get there. Now, obviously, Boondock Saints came out years later, but they're putting the carpet for the horse, and it is seeing the aftermath and where did how do we get there? Mm-hmm. Because then we know that it's a narration going on, too. And then we get taken to a hospital scene on the next page. And we see that there is a certain priest talking to a patient. And that would have to be the Golden Age Sandman himself, Wesley Dobbs, as it's coming across. Oh, my God. I didn't put two and two together. You did not figure this out? I did not. Yes. So we're seeing just a little back and forth about what's going on here. And then we see as the priest is going on through Norman McKay, he's obviously you know trying to translate what Wesley Dobbs has left him. And the world as we know it has really changed at this point, as you see on screen, because Norman goes into planet Krypton. 
Now, this might be a little dated for some, but this is based off the old Planet Hollywood mm-hmm. franchise that you go in and obviously everybody's dressed up as movie characters and it's really symbolic to the time period it's in. And with that, you're seeing this is a, a little homage to the world of superheroes. A little? Well, you kind of break it down for us. I mean, seriously, it, you know, as someone who's worked in restaurants for 20 plus odd years to see just this entertainment is the term that was coined back in the late 90s. Uh, you know, just full blast right on the screen. You know, you've got burgers and sandwiches and everything that take on names and themes of stuff, which we'll get back to by the end because some of them are just hilarious and remind me of my old jobs I've actually worked at. Um, but it is just a big, huge sensory overload any of these old entertainment places you know you got your rainforest cafes your hard rocks uh your hooters you know it's just Mm. everything all blended together with superheroes yeah and it definitely reflects the time period it's in because as norman's walking through we do see an image pop up and this is where things get kind of interesting because you see a superhero fight go on and you really don't exactly know what's happening. I mean, this kind of looks like your average superhero battle, but it's really anything but. And as the narration leads on, this is not the DC heroes that we know. Nope. This is a whole new evolution of superheroes. I would say interpretation. Well, break it down for us. So evolution to me implies that it's the next step. And yes, this is this could be the next step of heroes, but... I would say interpretation just because the art style and, you know, we find out, you know, later that, you know, this this being an Elseworlds story, it is literally on a different universe. So there can be a different interpretation. Um, we see characters, I believe this is, is supposed to be Star Sapphire. Um, there's just a lot going on here. And it's a lot to take in, especially if you're a DC purist. So you're even yourself sitting there going, who that? Oh, exactly. I mean, I think it's just something also to the testament of Alex Ross bringing us this really imaginative takes on a lot of superheroes and thinking of the next generation. Well, and that's the best part about Alex Ross. You know, everybody knows, if you don't know, Alex Ross is always famous for his Halloween parties. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the people that are in his books are based off of his friends that come and show up in dressed in costume and everything. So he is very much a, for lack of better words, purist when it comes to character and design. So for him to take the the twist on this is just a credit to his art. Oh, absolutely. Because as we see, everything is kind of going a little crazy around. And the one thing that's the takeaway is these heroes are being very reckless and not upholding to the code, as you will, of the traditional superheroes. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost kind of teetering around the anti-hero I, I hate using that term vigilanteism kind of yeah i mean it's just do whatever it takes to get the job done and if there's collateral damage so be it which is a really wild take but we have to remember in this context too the 90s in my opinion was the real emergence of the anti-heroes agreed and i think that obviously with this book being out in this time, Mark Wade really knew that temp in the room and really brought that point to life that the heroes that we had grown up with, with the Supermans, the Captain Americas, you know, the quote unquote Boy Scouts, if you will, mm-hmm. really weren't connecting or really their imprint was kind of fading away. 
And we were seeing the evolutions of the Frank Castles, the Wolverines. The, everything from Image. I mean, think about it. The Wildcats, everything that was going mm-hmm. on there. I mean, Spawn. They, Spawn. I mean, it's it's a whole different, you know, world right now, literally and figuratively in, in the world of comics. So you had to get edgy, you know? Well, I mean, it's something with the times, too, as we've seen with the heroes. I mean... I always kind of say comics have this weird time period where we have before Watchmen and after Watchmen. Excellent. And this is the evolution of after Watchmen because you're really seeing the lines are blurred, but they're not so gray, if you will, if that makes sense. Well, because it's just, it's a different take about like where they think being a hero is. And as you see, this goes on too is really having an impact on Norman as he's going by. Mm-hmm. And as he's getting back to his church, well, he gets a visit from somebody that DC comic fans have known for a long time. And if you see him show up on screen, yeah, it's game over. And who is that? The Spectre. Yes. The embodiment of vengeance. The wrath of God. <laughs> Literally. So when he shows up, he's using Norman to try to figure out, okay, what is going on here? And, I mean, that's what Norman's reaction is. He's like, well, what is happening? Why have you chose me? And he's like, I need you to choose judgment. And it's really a, a, an interesting take on it because what makes him so special about this? And on top of it, like, why would, you know, the wrath of God pick a preacher of all things to, to cast judgment? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I could really go down a whole rabbit hole here, but we're just going to leave it at surface level on this one. Yeah. I mean, that's where you really have to kind of take it, because as he's sitting there, and now it's almost like this, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge-type deal about the ghosts, you know, walking through, because he winds up becoming an accomplice with the Spectre as they're traveling through the DC landscape as it is. And then we go to our shot where Superman is not exactly the Superman we think at mm-hmm. this stage. Because on the screen, he is going to be appearing back in Kansas. And this is... That's a good choice of words. Thank you. (laughs) Appearing. Yes, because when he appears, the first time we see him, he's obviously not in costume. Nope. He's let himself go a little bit, if you will. It's old man Clark. More or less. And he does get a visit from Wonder Woman. And she's just kind of touching base with him because as she understands... Everything is really speeding out of control. The lack of Superman and the influence that he has has really taken effect on the DC landscape as we know it. There's no moral center, right? You know, there's 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 not that sweet you know sweet soldiery soft filling that you know Superman embodies. Mm-hmm. And as she's trying to touch base, you see Clark is just disenchanted about doing anything. Oh yeah, he is just like I just want to stay here. And you don't really know what's going on. And I love how Wade sets this up because obviously this is all kind of a holographic illusion. And it all results back to a moment that happened in Kansas and a certain, if you want to call him a hero and the impact that he made, and that's Magog. Mm -hmm. And something has happened here that I, I love how this picture even shows too with Superman's reaction. He almost looks, almost looks scared. Just of us seeing that name. Like, there's something about this look, and I love how Alex Ross sets up his facial features about this, that it's not just like a stern look, 
but you can definitely tell there's something to it in his eyes. Yeah, there's something behind it. There, there's a sadness. There's, there's a stoicness. There's, there's even a part of him that's trying to hold himself back. Like he, he's really fighting his own emotions, and just as plain face as Alex Ross was able to give to him, uh, really says a lot in that moment. Mm-hmm. And the readers see that Magog has been leading his new justice enforcers, so to speak, yeah. if you will. Uh, because you can't even call them a Justice League or a team name. They're just literally going out there and and imposing extreme force on their intended target. And we see them come across Parasite, the longstanding DC villain of Superman. Yep. And he winds up getting overloaded with the powers of Captain Adam, uh, descendant, so to speak. And sure enough, he winds up doing what, Tom? Boom! Yes exploding and taking out one million people. Mm-hmm. Think about that for a second. I mean, we've seen it before in, in other media with Captain Adam ripping his suit, but to take power, you know, at least he understood how to control his powers. Parasite has no idea, and obviously we've known several times and seen in other stories, the only way to stop Parasite is to overload him, but this is just way too much. So there's a massive just irradiation of the Midwest. I mean, literally the heartland, the breadbasket is gone. Yes. And how many survivors were there? Like five, and that was just the metal men? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Magog and the Metal Men. Everybody else is gone because of the reckless abuse of power that they, they were demonstrating. Even at the site, too, Parasite was asking for mercy. Mm-hmm. He was trying to not get involved, and they were not hearing it. It was the arrogance of youth came back to haunt the, the sins of the past. And it's just one of those moments that happens, and you can see the effect on Superman because, obviously, he has become so involved with the human race that seeing this go down, I mean, it almost gives him a mental breakdown, so to speak. And when he cuts off ties with everybody else, he really just goes away. But we still don't find this out till later, the exact reasons why. And then we start getting updated by the Spectre about what happened to the rest of the team. So we see the Flash is now protecting Central City, and he's doing it all by himself. Yep. And he's really kind of adapted that he's just really the embodiment of the Speed Force, more than so than you see in the comics. Like, he, you don't even see his body. You just see the blur, and he's just going nonstop. Now, would you say, based on this design, is it Jay Garrick, or is it, you know... A combination. Okay, because I, I really couldn't tell. I mean, you see the hat, and you so I'm like, okay, is it Jay? Is it Wally? Is it Barry? It's just the Flash, mm-hmm. you know? And then we even see this shot of, of Hawkman in Seattle and it looks absolutely nothing like him. And this is just a testament to Alex Ross's art. And then Green Lantern's flying his own spaceship in Oa and just protecting the universe. So I mean it's almost like the Justice League has evolved to a point where as much as they've aged, they're still imposing their will, but they just don't want to be involved with today's society. Now I have a question. This uh was parallax and everything, you know, I you know, when he was taken when Kyle was taken over and became Ion and everything. Was this before or after Kingdom Come? This was right around like the same time. Okay, because you could definitely, to me, see some some similarities between the costumes that I would, you know, the big old shoulder pads, the the power battery. So I was just wondering because Death of Superman was was ninety three, so mm-hmm. this is ninety six. Yeah. So it's it, you know roughly kind of the same timetable window, but then I think the biggest shock that we see. <laughs> is they go, well, what about Batman? And I love the shot that they showed of Batman 
And it's obviously not the Batman we know. He has now built robot enforcers. The Bat Legion. Yes. And we see them imposing the Bat Will on Gotham, which is something that Bat Law. I wasn't super shocked with. I, I figured if Batman was ever going to go out and you know, not be able to go up to the level he was going to be, that he would do something like this. It's a total police state. Yeah. It is. And I mean, even to some extent, you can even say that Central City is too. As much as they might say it's a utopia, if it's in a red blur because of, you know, the Flash running around constantly, is it a police state? Is it not? Is, does it give the villains a, a sense of, I, I don't want to do this because they're there kind of idea? We don't really get into it, but obviously with Batman, we, we obviously get the overtone that, yeah, this is what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. So as we see, the story is kind of progressing to a point where Norman is back in Metropolis and is really trying to, to talk with the Spectre and just explain about why the heroes matter. And, and the Spectre is just being very coy about what's going on, too. Like, he doesn't tell enough what's happening, but he is really just having this really in-depth conversation with Norman. And Norman is screaming about, we need hope in this time. We need something to be of relevance. And then, lo and behold... There's a couple of heroes fighting and obviously risking the lives of everybody around them. But then we get this iconic shot that somebody has came back and the words of Wonder Woman finally clicked in, and that's Superman. And, Tom, I mean, how do you describe this image? You can't compare. I mean, this is, this is iconography at its finest. I mean, it is... Superman. It is a different idea of Superman. It's old man Superman. We see the logos all blacked out. There's there's something bigger going on, but this is this is one of those pic, pic, pictures is going to go down for the rest of the time. I mean, even later in the book, uh, Alex Ross even does his own interpretations of Batman 1 and uh, Amazing Fantasy was it? No, no, no. Action Comics? Action Comics, the one with him with the, with the car over mm-hmm. his head. So... To me, that particular image will stand with those in the long run. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that Alex knew what he was going to, especially when we go to issue number two. And even, like, we kind of have an evolution of the cover. But then the first page, when you open right into it after, and you see the shot of the heroes flying out of the Statue of Liberty torch. I mean, you want to talk about iconic moments this is just describing it. And as you're seeing just Norman just trying to resonate with the Spectre about what's going on, they do kind of update a little bit that Superman has gotten the band back together, so to speak. And then when you have somebody that is uh, trying to enforce their own opinions of their heroic powers, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously not respecting truth, justice, and a better tomorrow we get the entire Justice League flying in. And this is the shot that, I mean, told me as a reader, we're getting back to business. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we see mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the Justice League right here. I mean, let's let's talk about this for a second. We have this updated shot of Hawkman. Mm-hmm. And talk about that you know, I mean, design. It, it's a great idea to finally make Hawkman look like a Hawkman. Mm-hmm. Uh Wonder Woman, as always, looks stunning. I mean, GL looks fantastic. Whichever version of The Flash is great. Power Girl, come on. If we're all grown up, we don't need a boob window anymore. I'll say it. Uh, But 
in the background, man, the Ray. Yes. Like that is just, we know what the Ray looks like, but to see the sparkle Ray, that's what I was referring to him in my head. Sparkle Ray with all the shine and shimmer and big, huge gold lame that he was rocking on there. Like seriously, just amazing. Yeah, the Ray is one of the most slept-on characters in comics. Like, I think that if DC was ever going to do a deep dive and, and restart somebody, I think Ray should be up in that conversation. I, I think they they had a good swing and a miss with uh, the Arrowverse when they tried to do that with uh, what Earth X, mm-hmm. and then it's a shame. It would have been nice to have him come back. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's always time. I mean, in the dawn of DC era, love to see it happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is DC, so just give us four more years; they'll reboot everything. Yeah. <laughs> But then we see, obviously, Superman and, and company are handling what they need to handle. And we do see, obviously, things are getting back to the public's opinion because they're waiting on just literally Superman to come back. And he now is addressing them and saying, we screwed up, to paraphrase. We made this wrong because we trusted them to carry on the lineage of superheroes. We're going to fix this. Yes. And this is a very powerful scene, too, because, like I say, Superman addressing the public and and knowing what he represents to them and seeing him just literally lay down the decree of, I'm taking care of this. I mean, Tom, when you're reading this, I mean, what's going through your mind? I'm more in, I was more involved with the idea that he said, we effed up, we were wrong. This is how, like, I'm more on the apologetic side of it more than the, hey, we're going to fix this part. So that's mm-hmm. what really got me out of all of it, that, you know, it shows the humanity of the heroes, which in and of itself comes back to bite them in the ass. Because, I mean, if you're going to subject the humanity out of the characters, you're going to make human errors. So we'll just leave that at that. Oh, easily. But it's, it's another moment that happens that we start seeing, okay, well, the plan is in play. And obviously Superman is trying to get the band back together. But there's one character that obviously if you're going to get the entire band back. Plastic Man. Well, in certain aspects, yes. But not for this one because Supes has to go take a visit to the Batcave. Or dare I say, what's left over of it. And sure enough, who's lurking in the shadows He's none, Batman. None other than Bruce Wayne, who's obviously been through some things and is not the exact Bruce Wayne that we all know. No. Because it looks like, obviously, he did not survive an encounter with Bane. Mm-mm. And what the hell happened to the cave? All right, I'm sorry. But I, I love Alex Ross's design and everything. Like, I couldn't tell if this was wet or if it was water or is it flooded. Like, the cave is jacked, mm-hmm. you know, and not in the good way. Right, no, they explain about how the villains found out his secret identity. Because once that Gotham was, um, how do I put this politely? Rid of evil, because one of the young superheroes decided to kill everybody in Arkham and Blackgate Prison. Batman really didn't have anything going on, but certain rogues found out who he was. And Bell Rev, I, I yep. believe that one came And Bell Rev, too. Certain rogues found out where he was, destroyed the house. He's just been living in the shadows underneath. Mm-hmm. So the world is you know, really unaware of his actions, but obviously it's Batman, and he's just sitting there and going one-on-one with Clark. And this is one thing that I think Mar- Mark Wade really hits, too, especially when you read World's Finest now. 
he knows that they're the best of friends, but they're the best of rivals too. And their ideologies of being superheroes are very different and similar. And that might be a confusing statement, but you think about it. They all want the same goal. But it's how you get there is the difference. Right. And to see Superman more or less go Batman here, I thought was a nice twist to the story. Oh, yeah. Because what Superman is trying to do is enforce his will. Batman, that's what he does. I mean, we've seen this with the entire Bat family through you know, the eons of time. That if you come to Gotham, it's Batman City. And now to see Superman try doing that with the world, Batman's a little trepidatious. Yeah, that's a good, perfect word. Yeah, because he's just like, this is very unlike Clark. And then when he's trying to recruit him, Batman's like, nah, I think I'm going to sit this one out. I, I don't think this is the right play. So Superman takes off, but lo and behold, of course, Batman has a plan. He's Batman. He has prep time. The scariest thing ever in comics. That's the greatest superpower. <laughs> so at this point, he has Black Canary, Blue Beetle, Green Arrow, and a whole slew of young hidden superheroes that he can, um, that he's literally putting together his own army. Yep. Which is the scariest thing possible in this entire story. That Batman is literally been recruiting. It's, it's much like what Nick Fury did with Secret Warriors. Yes. But on a larger scale. Like, he has hundreds. Global. Yes. That, I mean, it's kind of like a nice throwback to the days of the Outsiders at the beginning. But it's very, very different. But meanwhile, you have Superman that he's still recruiting. And he's literally promising, like, for all the young heroes, you're either with me or you're against me. And it's such a crazy take to see, but this is where I think Mark Wade was really trying to illustrate the point that we saw this line come to life in The Dark Knight. You know, either you die the hero or you live long you enough. You become your own villain. Yeah. Paraphrasing a bit. But you see this all play out, and especially when you start seeing what Superman's doing and he's recruiting and you're just seeing the impact it's having on you know, the people of the world, like this, this shot right here with the young kids watching or the, and the people on the ground watching. And it's almost like that godlike moment mm-hmm. because that's how DC is kind of always present them. And they even kind of allude to this later in there that they're just on a different level than the, than, you know, obviously the human race and then seeing them just impose their, their will. I mean, it's just, it's a crazy scenario to see play out. And it's one that obviously does take a little while to get used to because we finally get an update about where Magog has been the entire time because he's been in hiding since boom the incident happened, so to speak. But we do find out later about what's been going on here. And this is where he reappears in Kansas and Superman is there with his Justice League and is basically saying, like, you know, you screwed up. And this is where we're going to come into play and have a, a few words with you, so to speak. And this is where Magog is just being very, very defiant about what's going on, too. And I love how they set this up because, I mean, you do have those few moments, too, where Superman was trying to recruit Aquaman. He didn't want to get involved. And we do see there is some characters in the shadows that are lurking as well. Oh, yeah. But we'll get to that in just a little bit. But just to see the face-off, we do get the update about why Magog 
has been uh, Superman's public enemy number one, and it all has to do with the Joker of all people. Want to talk about that, Tom? Boom. Yeah. The Joker. Man, a few words. Boom. Mm-hmm. The the Joker broke Superman. You would think that Bane broke the bat, but the Joker broke Superman. Mm-hmm. On an attack on the Daily Planet, the Joker killed everybody inside, including one Lois Lane. 92 men and one woman. So you have the seeds planted for injustice. Thank you. I'm glad you said it because I was waiting all night to say this already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but... This shows one scenario where if you're going to break Superman, this is how you do it. And Magog takes it upon himself to kill the Joker in broad daylight. And such a wild scenario as well that Superman says, well, you you, you crossed the line. You killed him. And Magog's looking at him going, he just killed the entire daily planet. What are you saying and it's just this, you know, conflict of ethics. You don't cross the line. You can you you can take them all the way up to it. You can scare them slightly over it mm-hmm. as long as you're holding on to their neck. But you can't go over it. You got to pull them back. Yeah. And as we see at the court case, Magog is acquitted of all charges from the DA. Because obviously the the track record of the Joker justified the means there. Mm-hmm. And this angers Superman so much that he takes off and flies away. I mean, just talk about like how crazy of a scene that is. Well, just- yeah, well, yeah, it, it is. He flies off. And if you guys didn't realize at the first point when Wonder Woman showed up, it was all hologram in the Fortress of Solitude. So like he's been chilling up there trying to just get back to Clark. Mm-hmm. And then all the while, too, like we say, there has been a group that's been working in the shadows a little bit. And we do see this weird connection going on. Because at the table that you see is the head of the Mankind Liberation Front. Capitalism. Mm-hmm. And who's at the head of the table? Not Roman Reigns. No. Or Cody Rhodes yet. Or The Rock. <laughs> Who is it? Oh, you know I was throwing a wrestling reference in. We're talking Wrestling Night Live Thursday night, though, Eastern Standard Time. Wrestling Night Live with Lex Luthor right on the top ring. Yes. Sure enough, Luthor has put together his own Legion of Doom, so to speak, but they've done it in the most uh, public way possible. Capitalism. Mm Mm-hmm. He has Vandal Savage. He has... Cobra. Yep, he has the heir to Ra's al Ghul's throne of the League of Assassins. Catwoman. Mm-hmm. The Riddler, who's only there. Um, as a courtesy. As a courtesy. They, they made a point very, very clear during the entire oh, time. It's like, yeah, Ed, you're B-League, man. You're, you're backup. Yeah. And then you see the deal is cut between Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor. I mean, seeing that scene, though, happen. I mean, what is going through your mind as, as you're watching that? What the Batman? Yeah. <laughs> Holy hell in a handbasket. <laughs> like, I mean, seriously, it's just, it's wrong. It is, it is wrong on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Again, you don't cross that line. And this isn't even one of those cases where the enemy of my enemy is my friend. This is, it's Lex freaking Luther. You don't go there. Yeah. Period. And Bruce did. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Batman did. Bruce did. 
Well, it goes to show about what lengths he sees the problem with Clark's plan, that he's willing to cross that line. He knows who Lex is, and he's willing to go that route. Like, it's crazy to see. But as we see, Luthor does have a little backup plan, too, that we'll see a bigger role play out for that in issue three. But even seeing how just detailed this story was, I mean, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about the time in Apocalypse where Orion took over for Darkseid. Yes, I did. I'm not the dog of war anymore. Yeah. I can only do Ron Perlman so long that it turns into Batman. But yeah, like, to, to get a future idea that that Orion, the dog of war from, you know, the new gods, has now usurped his father's throne and has almost brought a peace, uh, you know, as much as you can say to Apocalypse, or at least brought in a new era of how apocalypse could be is pretty impressive Mm -hmm. and with hair oh yeah (laughs) he's got hair well it's crazy to see play out because superman's entire trip there was to build a prison for anybody that stepped in his way and then as we see what issue three comes out and i love how they just they tip it off right on the first cover there that captain marvel aka shazam shazam has now entered the game. This is still when Captain Marvel was Captain Marvel, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. And we do see, obviously, with the first page that we open up right into the issue number three, just this shot. Like, we talk about iconic moments in this book and seeing the red cloud surround Shazam with with the quotes from McKay. Like, Tom, how impressive is this moment? First off, artistically, it is absolutely beautiful. I would have this on my wall any, any given day. Um, I will get back to McKay's narration at the end mm-hmm. because I will say that this is that all of this that they did in this, you know, Bible type script was probably some of the best narration or off, you know, not in a speech bubble writing I have ever read in a single comic book story. Oh, yeah. I mean, people don't write like that anymore. No, it, this truly was like a, uh, it, it's an experience. Like, we'll get, like, I'll get into this when we get done wrapping up about the book. But we have so many moments, too. And I love how when we see the jail appear. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Doom. How perfect is this image of, the, you know, the super jail? Because we, you can't get any better than the Legion of Doom Brainiac yeah, spaceship. Thank you. thank you. Meanwhile, at the Legion of Doom. I mean, seriously, it's just super friends on steroids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, th- I mean, chat, super chat, th- throw your votes in about this. Like, how perfect is this? And just to see how Superman is still just going crazy, he did recruit Scott Free, a.k.a. Mr. Marvel, or Mr. Miracle, rather, uh, to help design the jail. Like, how crazy is that moment? Well, it's perfect. I mean, you get the guy who can get out of anything to make something that no one should be able to get out of. It's that's perfect reverse engineering as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah. And it's something that Superman obviously needs because he's just basically recruiting everybody. If you're not siding with me and what I'm trying to do, well, guess what? You're not going to be surviving at all. And it's just more of a crazy scenario that's playing out that with Superman taking extreme measures, it is drawing the ire of a lot of interested parties. But how fast did that jail fill up? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. He's working around the clock to win back the public trust, but what he doesn't realize he's doing is he's instilling fear in them. Mm-hmm. And this is something Lex Luthor has wanted him to do the entire time. And it's crazy about what happens here because you have this entire issue is more or less devoted to showing how Luthor has brainwashed Billy Batson. And Okay, now hold on. So the whole brainwashing thing, if you notice, they were using like some Star Trek looking worms. Dr. Minerva. Thank you. That was the name I was looking for. I could not remember who it was. Yeah. Yep. Although they, they Mark Wade knows his classic villains. And if you're a longtime Shazam fan, you know, obviously, who the worm is. Yep. You know Dr. Minerva. Like, you know who this is. There was Dr. Savannah, and then there was the the, the worm that, even if you saw the the more recent movies, even, yeah. you know, they nodded to it in there. Oh, yeah. Like I say, when you see this all play out, it definitely just goes into, you know, some different places. Like I say, I think they use Minerva in this story, but obviously, you're right, it was Dr. Savannah. Mm-hmm. You know, so when we see the the one worm appear, and that's now controlling Billy Vatson, it really goes to show just what Lex Luthor is willing to do. Which I mean, let's face it, this is Lex Luthor. Yeah, it's Mister Mind. This was nothing that was throwing anybody off. Mm-hmm. And as we see, Batman still making his big superheroes. You're having the the meeting of the mind, so to speak. And all the while, too, Bruce brings in his own team to meet with Luthor's team. And I thought this was very interesting, too, because somebody's lurking in the shadows again. And this was a real surprise about who was doing work. But obviously, if you are a longtime Justice League fan, you knew this character was going to appear. And who was that, Tom? Uh, the last Green Martian. Yes, Martian Manhunter, John Jones himself. Mm-hmm. And you see, obviously, he is more broken at this stage than I think we've ever seen him. And they didn't really explain his story to No, me. they they really didn't. And that's a missed opportunity. I agree. Like, when we talk about what we didn't like about the story, I definitely want to talk about that. But we see that, obviously, he was using his powers to figure out what was going on with Billy Batson. They figure out he's getting mind-controlled. And that's all Batman needs to know. And then we see business kind of pick up a little bit. But when we have this meeting back into the headquarters of Superman... Norman crosses over because the Flash picks him up because he can now see, obviously, into the multiverse, and he does pick up his spirit, and you have this great one-on-one face-off that happens. And then right from there, I mean, everything just kind of goes you know, up in smoke because you know this is the last moments before everything is going to absolutely hit the fan. Wait, it didn't already? Well, you would think about <laughs> it, but it just it gets to such a point that you're like, okay— you have that final plea, like, listen, this is going to be the end of the world if you don't listen. You, if you're not paying attention, this is going to all go up in smoke. And even to the point where you have just another argument between Superman and Batman about what is going on, too, and really kind of shows about, like, okay, you you sense that the end is here. Even with Batman helping out and trying to save Billy Batson and making the last play, because we do have the big reveal that, he was working Luther the entire time. Because he's Batman. Because he's Batman. So he, he unleashes his forces onto Luthor's team, but it's not enough in time. No. And then you have the moment where, like I say, Batman's telling him basically, like, you have your jail has gone up in smoke. You have nuclear weapons now coming to that area. 
the public has now distrusted you enough that you've ticked off the United Nations. What are you going to do now? And you got to pull back. And Superman is still being arrogant and saying, oh, I can stop everything. I can stop this. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the shot where he goes to the jail, but he is greeted by somebody waiting on him, setting up for the main event that we've all wanted, much like The Rock and Cody Rhodes. We now have a new player entering the game, and that is Captain Marvel, who is sitting there waiting to take Superman out. And this leads perfectly right into the final chapter of this book. I mean, I don't know how else they could set everything up perfectly. I mean, they they did already up in, in chapter one with you know the the red and the and the lightning and everything, but now it's all come full circle. And let me tell you, I mean, we all know that in Fawcett Comics, this was the answer to well, let's see, it was Marvel came before Soups, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is literally the the copyright versus copyright in the long run. If you think about it, it's might versus magic. It's it's alien versus, you know, Shazam. And, it, you know, it makes perfect sense because Superman's one weakness, or one of them in any, any way in comics, has mm-hmm. always been magic. So it's perfect that Luthor set this up for it. And then we get to the cover of issue number four. I mean, this kind of says it all right here. And it's the one that we just literally go, it's over. Like, there's no coming back from this, the smoky image. And then the following one right after that, you just have the battle of all battles break loose. I mean, and this splash page right here, this two-page, just, I mean, Tom. You can't not stop looking at it. Yeah. There are so many things going on in the background. There's so many things going on in the foreground. You're trying to understand which characters there are, what interpretations or iterations you know, who's who's squared up against who is also something that you could really go on and on about. Like, oh, well, why did they pick this? Why did you do that? Couldn't it have been better if you picked this character? Wait, who are they really going against for reasons? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, yeah. And then it's like it just keeps escalating to where the fight is going on. The, the weapons are now coming into play. And you're just you're seeing just how many different factors are just getting involved. And then finally, we get the one shot that I mean, I was waiting to see how this is all going to play out. Obviously, after, you know, issue three and as Batman has entered the game and just this moment with his team of outsiders, that's what I'm going to start calling creep. Yeah, the creeper. I mean, they, they had so many throwback characters. In this moment, too. And then the, the the best shot of this, though, is Batman smiling. Like, of all things. Oh, no, that that is a grimace. That is not a smile. That is a grimace. Well, he's just like, it's game on. <laughs> and, I, you know, knowing him and how much he loves being Batman, it just plays right into everything. So as all hell is breaking loose, you're seeing heroes are, are killing each other. You're seeing Batman and Wonder Woman are having a face-off. Because Wonder Woman has brought out her magic sword and is literally killing people. And Batman's like, this isn't who we are. And she's like, no, we are at war. Yeah, I would say at this point, as much as Bats is, is playing one way, Soups is playing another, I think Diana finally went off the deep end. I, well, I would say at this point, she's she's more... Injustice Superman, like she's really at the point where I don't give a shit. The ends justify the means. Like, well, I think she's really past the line. That's the way I, I, I read it. Well, you have to think about this. You've had Superman and Batman butting heads quietly through this issue. Yep. And she's been caught in the middle 
And it's finally like, this is now the end. And I think that she knew from when they were on Green Lantern Station, like when she gave that, you know, emotionless kiss, that's when she knew like, this is it. We're all going to die. And I think that she's like, if I'm going out, I'm going out swinging. Yep. And it's such a, a crazy moment, too, because when they fly up in space, that's when they see the nuclear warheads are coming their way. And what are they going to do? And then meanwhile, you just have Shazam and Superman having this amazing fight. I mean, how else do you describe this? This is, this is when you talk about heavyweight bouts, this is a heavyweight bout. Yeah, I, I will say I think it was a little cheap that Billy just kept Shazamming himself. Well, you have to think, but, of, it, but knowing that the fact that you know the lightning's coming down, it's the only thing that can really affect you know soups at this point. I get it. I still think it's a low blow, but it is what it is. If you're fighting Superman and you can't beat him with your fist, if you can hit him with magic lightning, I know that's what I'm just saying. Nah, I mean, I thought it was brilliant. Chat, let us know what you thought about this fight, and then we get the moment that I mean, if you've been reading the series the entire time, you've been waiting to see. And that is the judgment is now put in Norman's hand because the specter has basically said, this is it. This is the end. And he's like, what do you want me to do? He's like, I can't choose because you either choose the people or you choose the heroes. And there really is no winner here. And then what we see happen here is the words that he left Superman kind of finally stick because the speech here is really driving the point home about what he's saying about the heroes need hope. Mm -hmm. I mean, Tom, you want to elaborate a little bit on this? I mean, the reason that we've divulged... No, divulged is the wrong word. We were on a slippery slope once Superman had left and just everything went to crap, went to pot. And without hope, what are superheroes? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's hard to explain, really, that there's no backbone. There's no uprightness there's no mm, to to hold them accountable to and where where can we go i mean we come find out years later that you know the s is a symbol for hope on krypton blah, 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 blah. but in this point we don't have that yet so it it really it, it it's disappointing and it hurts to see that this is the world that you know could have could have been yeah and as we see obviously the the final play is made because Batman and Wonder Woman take out two of the ships, but one is still coming in. They can't stop. Nope. And Billy Batson finally has the worm destroyed in his ear mm-hmm. and comes back to Earth and like and literally is inspired by Superman to make the ultimate sacrifice because he's the only person who can because he's walked bo- among both gods and men. Right. So he is the one that Norman McKay has been literally preaching about. It's been Shazam all the time. Mm-hmm. Not so, soups. No. Shazam. And Shazam flies into the air and yells Shazam, Shazam, you know, and, and finally detonates the bomb. And then you just have the epic fallout image. I mean, words are not needed for this one. Just the smoke cloud comes out. The heroes that were there, most are killed. Green Lantern does wind up saving more than uh, the original shot in Kansas. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of basically the big wake-up call that Superman needed this entire time. And seeing this all just transpire, you get that you, a Superman speech of, like, basically, I was wrong, and him taking atonement for what has happened. 
and hearing his speech there as he's just sitting through the dust clouds. And even like when he goes back to the UN nation, I mean, this is kind of where he has the atonement happen because Norman gets there and is like basically talking and like, you need to forgive yourself. Well, before even that, he calls BS on the Spectre. He's like, no, 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 you're not done. We got work to do still. Oh, yeah, because the Spectre tried ducking out. Yeah, no. Spectre... Well, that's what he, he does in the comics, so it's it's kind of like, yeah, you, you get what you get there. You you, you got, uh-uh, hold on. Yeah. You, you, no, you did the F around. Now here's the find out. <laughs> yeah. So he winds up getting the Spectre to take him to stop Superman from destroying the UN nations. And during this time, like, he has that moment, and he's just literally breaking down about, you know, what has transpired. And it's, you know, it's an interesting scenario to see play out because you have just a speech going on and Superman is just basically saying, like, listen, we need to make this up to you, that, you know, we were wrong and we are not above you, we are with you. Mm -hmm. And it's really like a full circle moment to come back to Earth and to see that he uses Shazam's cape as a flag to represent this. Dude, I was reading this in a coffee shop. I could not, I I had to hold myself back from crying. Yeah. Like in, in public, I was, I was fraught. Yeah. I was, I was whelmed. Oh yeah. Well, Mark Wade's writing to this, like I say, I can't do justice for, you know, the script he wrote. No, not at all. And just seeing how just Superman's words, I mean, it's still Superman. You can hear, you know, Christopher, like I always hear Christopher Reeve talk mm-hmm. when, when he's, when I read a word bubble. And just to see this moment where he hangs the flag up, and then the Spectre and Norman disappear. And then we get the fallout of fallouts because it's one year later. And then we see Superman and Wonder Woman go back to planet Krypton. Yep. Uh, definitely not Superman's restaurant of choice. Yeah. To, to say the least. But you do see that obviously changes happened at this point too. Because Superman has just been, you know, back on his, uh, you know, uh, dare I say AI farm. And well, he's he actually no, he's came back to to real Kansas. Yep, he came back to real Kansas, and he's probably still got whatever he's going on up there. I mean, he did ask at one point what, uh, Captain Adam to irradiate or deradiate the land before. Mm. So luckily, Kansas isn't two times as, as effective as it you know would have been. Mm-hmm. So Wayne Manor is made into a hospital. Amen to that. Yeah. And to see the bat like the White Knight. Yeah, you know that's just. I'm down. Uh huh. And especially his line because uh, Lex Luthor is working there. He just walks by him, and goes Shazam. <laughs> total, total Bruce move. Oh yeah. And then we see that the the three friends meet up at Planet Krypton. Planet Krypton, and they have this moment where you know it's it's like the perfect send off too because it's just like when you get to this level where they have gone through so much together that you know, they understand each other so well. And like, if you're going to talk about superheroes in the DCU or let alone superheroes, you talk about the three of them getting together and it's always them and the camaraderie they have and the friendship. And, you know, at this point too, Superman and Wonder Woman are having a kid together. Oh, he gave it away. Yes. Because, well, Batman picked it off because, you know, in he's between, Batman. Yeah. Cause he's Batman and figured it out. And then meanwhile too, you have Jim Kerrigan and Norman McKay there because we found out the entire time where the specter found them. Kerrigan was a member of his congregation. Mm-hmm. So that was a big reveal, too. And then it just ends perfectly with the three friends, you know, the Trinity walking out into the light. And that's how the book ends. So, I mean, what what can we say? I mean, there's so much good to talk about this. 
from the art, the script, the the theme of superheroes, the the true essence of hope is what defines the hero. I mean, Tom, is there any other like great moments to talk about here? I mean, there's a few really good one-liners, like um, when they're talking about different characters, like uh, the man that lives between the ticks of a second. Mm-hmm. When you know when they're talking about the Flash, um, I love the 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 backhanded you know compliment that Bruce gives uh, Clark about the you're the guy who can hear clouds scrape together. Yeah, you know. And then my other favorite part was when they go back to the end of Planet Krypton. Uh, it's perfect character writing, knowing the fact that. What does everybody get to drink? Coffee. Milk? Oh, water. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, Like the big blue Boy Scout. Can I please have a glass of milk, please, and my chicky nuggies? Yeah, well, <laughs> like I say, it, it, it goes to the themes that we all know from them. Yeah. And it just, you know, it comes full circle in this day and age, too, because we have to remember, it's 1996. Mm-hmm. The rise of the antihero, like we talked about. Yep. And to see the true essence of the heroes and and the themes that we know and what really makes them shine through. I mean, that's what really makes this story pop. And to see how no matter what is going on in the world, those themes will always rise to the top is just the perfect way to describe this story. And obviously, we got some good. We do have to talk about some bad. I mean, what was anything bad about the story for you? The length. It, it it went on. Now, mind you, I did read a, a different version that had a, the extra prologue and had like an extra 20 some odd pages. So as I'm doing my normal cram, I'm going, that was one thing. Um, I agree. Martian Manhunter w- was a little har- rough um, mm-hmm. that he didn't get uh, his time. What I would have liked with the different interpretation of the characters is even if they just put a little ribbon on them so we get an idea who, of who they were, like we got... I mean, we know our characters, so oh well, that Star of Sapphire, that's kind, that guy's kind of based on Cosmic Boy. That's the, 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 the oh, that's Mister Miracle. Like, did you see Mister Miracle and Barda's daughter in the background? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that makes sense. That's how that would look, Miss Miracle or Miss Barda, whatever the heck they were going to name her. I would have liked to see some names, you know, do the amalgam kind of idea, whatever needed to happen. So, those are my only little missteps. I don't think that there was really anything completely wrong, devastating, that would turn me off on this book because there was way too much good about it. Yeah, I do agree with it. I think the Martian Manhunter thing, I would like to see him play a bigger role in the story, but, like you said, did not turn me off this story one bit. Nope. I mean, this had everything from even the bar scene where the rowdy patron was Marvin from the Super Friends. Yes, and it, he was even on the uh, the outside of one of the buildings, too. Yeah, the amount of detail that was thrown into this was such a love letter to the DC fans that it still resonates today. Even so, we've even seen that version of Batman, played by the great late Kevin Conroy, in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Mm-hmm. We've gotten Brandon Routh to finally get his redemption story as Kingdom Come Superman, again, during Crisis. Yeah. Um, we've had an episode of Justice League Unlimited, um, 1984, uh, Wonder Woman had her wear the Golden Eagle Alf armor. I mean, there was so much stuff that even still 20 and 30 years later, this story affects, and that is one of the hallmarks of great storytelling. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's why I say when you pick up Batman, Superman, World's Finest right now, they're back in the world of Kingdom Come. And the story that Mark Wade, ironically, is writing again 
really carries some of those themes. A little different, though, to the story there, which, I mean, if you're not reading Batman's Superman World's Finest, you really need to. Uh, like I say, it's arguably the best superhero book on the block. And the fact that Mark Wade came back to pen this yeah. makes it all the more enjoyable because, yes, we have a lot of writers nowadays, especially, you know, you, you get your modern writers that have been inspired by all the previous writers, but to have the same guy do his legacy story, he he, he has a grasp on it that not everybody gets. Mm -hmm. Oh, fully agree. So, I mean, that being said, we talked about the good, the bad. We have to give our grades chat. Definitely throw your grades in. If you've read Kingdom Come, what is your grade on this on a scale of 1 to 10? So we'll obviously kick this off with Tom. 1 million. It's a it's a perfect 10. It There's not – you can't – look, there's little tiny gripes in this only because we're comic book fans, and that's what we're going to do. But in the long run, this is a perfect freaking story. Like I said, I was intimidated to read this because I saw all these iconic characters in this personification that I just could not – wrap my reality around then now i get it i love it there's not alex ross and his can we just do an extended episode just just of me going on about this <laughs> you know if you want to do bonus tiktoks i i'm completely fine with this i mean this is perfection it is i mean if you want to talk about being a love letter to the dc universe and take Mark Wade's writing, who really understands the characters and the dynamic, but more importantly, the theme of superheroes, which when you're a master storyteller like he is, he can really bring out the best in the characters that we've had for now 80 years. God. And granted, at this time, they still had those same ideals which have still won over fans decades after decades. It ain't broke. Don't fix it. Right. <laughs> and in this after Watchmen era that we live in, to have a story like this at the time really challenged the thoughts of, you know, like you touched upon, Image Comics was coming out with a different style of superhero. Mm -hmm. You know, which, I mean, it, it works too. But in comparison to like where readers were thinking, okay, Batman, well, you know, you have to make him more edgy, so you had to make him Azrael Bat. Right. Well, Superman, well, he was boring, so we had to kill, kill him off. You know, like that's when you start reminding fans of the impact of these characters and why they're legends. They're not throwaway characters. Nope. When you have that kind of connection and you can really bring that to the forefront, it really just shines through. And that's what you have, but then you factor in the gorgeous artwork of Alex Ross all painted. Every single panel. Yeah. Like, how long did it take him to do this? Like, writing aside, how long, knowing how long it takes for gouache to dry to begin with, mm -hmm. you know, how long did it take him to, to do 250 some odd pages? Oh, it's a great question. I mean, I would, I would love to know that answer, but it was well worth it because for all the details you got... And this crossed over to, like we say, the Super Friends cartoon. You had, you know, the new envisions of superheroes down the road in the future. You know, like what would, kid, would their kids turn out to be like? Yep, Red Robin. We, we, you know, we got him. And we have gotten Red Robin a few times since then. Mm -hmm. Or an interpretation of Red Robin. Kid Flash, we've definitely seen that. Um, Jade, there was an, a, an idea of that from, you know, uh, Alec, or 
Alan Scott's daughter, Jade, yeah. who became, you know, who was empowered by the Starheart as a Green Lantern in this. But yes, it's, yeah. Yeah, so when you have all that factored in, this is the easiest 10 you're going to pick up. It's an easy 100. Mm-hmm. And it still holds up to this day from 1996. Like, you could still pick this issue up right now, and I, I, I highly recommend you have this in your comic collection if you're a comic fan. And you will not be disappointed. The story still holds up. I mean, you you can factor in stuff like the injustice has kind of spun out of this, you know, at least been a little influenced. But that's also a different interpretation of what would happen if Superman really went crazy. And in this situation, they they walk that fine line, but you understand his goals. In a weird sense, it's almost like Professor X and Magneto. Mm-hmm. In a weird sense. What who would ever thought that Charles Xavier and Bruce Wayne would be a comparison here. It's a weird idea, but it works. Yeah. And, and think about this. This book is almost 30 years old. And we know back in 2016, I think it was, they did a hardcover version. So can you imagine what they're going to do for 30th anniversary in two years? It's crazy to think about, but I would definitely love to see it. I mean, that's... That's, <laughs> that's a... on my coffee table already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got a spot picked out just for it. Well, like I say, you see the QR code that's above Tom. Find your local comic shop. Definitely go down there and make sure you go pick this issue up. And then also go, cho- go check out the Batman Superman World's Finest Run happening right now. Because, yeah. like I say, it's a perfect companion piece. It, I mean, it's obviously not a sequel. doesn't need to be. But it does tie into a lot of the same themes... And then you also have beautiful Dan Mora artwork. Yeah, I mean, it, it's generational. Think about it. I mean, Alex Ross is Alex Ross. He's timeless, you know. And now we have, is Dan Mora the next Alex Ross? Not not using the same technique, but I mean, he's he's definitely going to be at that level one day. I mean. Where you turn your head and you look and go, that's Dan Mora's art. Fans are already doing that right now. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. It's 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 the past down to the next generation. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a great read. So like I say, definitely go check those out. And, I mean, obviously we're talking comics. Tomorrow is new comic book day. That it is. And our, our tag team partners are not here this week, so we definitely want to make sure we plug their books. So, uh, Tom, why don't you start us off? So coming out from Dark Horse Comics tomorrow is going to be Cal Crowley, Mediocre Midnight Monster Hunter number 2. Um, if you guys haven't been following this, uh, I know Matt has been raving about it. I know I've read a few issues of this. This is all written by uh, David DeSmolchin, so you might know him as the Polka Dot Man. You might know him as uh, one of the characters from Gotham. He has been writing this amazing story, and if you're not familiar, Count Crowley is kind of like takes Sven Gulli and Angel and campy B-movies and put it all together with a little bit of alcoholism and some you know, family trauma, and it's perfect it is so freaking well written i you know format i know i'm probably going crazy about this but yeah if matt's still here in the chat he'll he'll absolutely agree with me go read it it is seriously a dark horse you can't sleep on yeah no i mean no the the book is amazing if you haven't read it like i said that's why i start smiling when i see the cover and just like just where the story is going to like i say it's definitely worth checking out great pick there uh, you know, also speaking of Hop, Hop Geeks news picks, ah, I gotta say that three times fast. Definitely got to plug Star Wars Mace Windau, number one, uh, Mark Bernadine, uh, George uh, Gianti on the book. And definitely this is going to be one that you want to pick up at the shops if you're a Star Wars fan. Uh, what can we say? Star Wars and Marvel has been doing amazing work. 
And Mark Bernard's such an amazing writer. Like, you know, if you guys don't know, he's the other half of the Fat Man on Batman with Kevin Smith. He has been the L.A. Times writer. He yeah, Bernardin's amazing. He's done so much stuff. And trust me, it's one of our guys writing one of our stories. It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, you got a pick this week, too? Not that it's not surprising. Morphin <laughs> Power Rangers, The Return. As penned by Amy Jo Johnson, the original Pink Power Ranger. She's coming back now to put her own spin on the epilogue of what has happened with the Ranger since then. It's a whole new dimension that we're going to look at everything through the Morphin Grid. I uh, was in trepidatious to get into this for certain reasons, but after doing my run through and waiting to see my review tomorrow on Nerd Initiative, you'll see why I am really excited. Also, here's a cool thing. It's one of the few Power Rangers books that actually names the chapters, so I don't have to make up names at the top. (laughs) Tom is very happy. Oh, I'm so happy. And, you know, for my pick this week, going out of Distillery, Gone number two. So this is Jock's Space Odyssey. I love this book. This is one that really won me over. We got the chance to talk to him at Nerd Initiative, so you can check the video out. Uh, at New York Comic Con, and the book has not let up. This is a fantastic read, and you definitely want to make sure you're checking out everything going on with Distillery. They have a, a big 2024 lined up, so you definitely want to make sure you have their books in your pull list as well. And if you need more comic recommendations, well, that's simple. Starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, nerdinitiative.com has your new comic book day reviews every 15 minutes. We have a new review dropping from Marvel, DC, Boom, Boom, Image, Mad Cave, Distillery, Comixology Originals. You name it. If we're not recommending it, I mean, what else do you need in your pull list if, if we're not talking it? <coughs> that is how confident we are about the reviews because I'll tell you what. I'm, the, I'm so choked up over it. Like, There's that much stuff out there tomorrow. <laughs> there is. It's an amazing day at the comic shop, so you definitely want to go out. And definitely tag us on social media. Let us know what you're picking up because you know the Nerd Initiative will be covering New Comic Book Day and the day after as well. That's right. Shout out to our guy Mickey. He has the great video series coming out, recapping the books that really made the biggest impact of the day. So if you want to talk comics, Nerd Initiative is your home for that and so much more in the land of pop culture positivity. Jump in those comments on our reviews. Tell us what you think you saw in them that we didn't. We This is why we want to do this. We want to reach out. We want to get the connections. Exactly. And there's an easy way to do that. How? And that's by contacting Nerd Initiative. Ah. Yes. So you make sure you click on the QR code. We love QR codes here at Nerd Initiative. So you definitely want to make sure you sign up for the newsletter so you are caught up to date of all the events that are happening with Nerd Initiative in 2024. There's a big lineup of things coming your way, so you definitely don't want to miss out. So you want to make sure that you're subscribed, you want to make sure you're following, and you don't miss a minute of the content. And due to contract reasons, we also have to talk about the merch store. Sell the merch! Yes, so if you're looking for Nerd Initiative cups, hoodies, hats... You name it, swing on over to the Nerd Initiative merchandise site and go support the brand and definitely get yourself some gear for the spring, the winter, the fall, the summer. It's not going to make it by Valentine's Day, you know, by next week. But trust me, you grab one of them mugs, it's going to fit perfectly for your your March uh, beverage in St. Paddy's Day. Just saying. It'll fit any time of year because especially if you're going to cons, you definitely want to be supporting the Nerd Initiative brand. And how do you do that another way? Well, it's simple. You go back to that report card that we had at the beginning of the show. 
you make sure that wherever you're watching the Nerd Initiative content, you drop that subscribe. You make sure that you're following, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Twitch, whether it's Kick, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Threads. MySpace? Uh, we might have a page out there. <laughs> I've been hearing rumors about that, so we'll have to kind of investigate a little bit. But basically, you make sure you hit that subscribe button. You click the the bell icon here on YouTube so you get notifications so you don't miss any content that's happening. And make sure you tap that like button because our bosses like to see that, especially on Thursday nights too. Shout out to our guy in the chair, Rich. Wrestling Night Live is dropping this Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and there's a whole lot of wrestling topics to be talking about with Rich and Nick, the newest addition to the team. Shout out to Nick. And we have a lot to dive into the land of The Rock, Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes, AEW, GCW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and so many more, keeping the conversation positive and not toxic because that is the best way to talk pro wrestling. How's my eyebrow? I guess it's looking good. All right. So that being said... Make sure you are subscribed to the channel because we will be announcing next week, we have a special interview lined up. Dude, do we ever. <laughs> and we, That's putting it mildly. And Tip we'll, of the iceberg. Exactly. And we'll be talking about that on the social media accounts Thursday. So you want to make sure you're following the brand so you know who is going to be swinging by. Turn a page for a live interview next week because it's one of the biggest names in comics. And definitely has a lot to talk about of, of all the amazing series that he is writing right now. And uh, we'll it's so live, you need to be there. If not, you better be dead. Fair enough. I can't put it any better as well. So if you want to find out who that is, make sure you're, you're paying attention to Nerd Initiative social media accounts. On Thursday, we'll be dropping that announcement on all the accounts. And make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss that interview and join in the chat. So for the one only Tom. Why don't you let everybody know how to find out you and what's going on with uh, Off the Cuff? Because we love all those QR codes, Ken's going to point over there uh, haphazardly into the, into the sky, and you're going to look at my face. Right underneath my face, you'll see that QR code, and you can check me out on all the so holy social medias. And don't forget, uh, later this year, I'll be up at Syracuse Collectors Con, because uh, uh, Power Rangers. Yeah, enough said. Enough said. And for me, and you want to find out what's going on with the ODPH team, simple. Click on those QR codes or odphpodcast.com if you're listening in podcast form. And definitely join the conversation because we got a lot of stuff heading your way in the upcoming weeks. So that being said, thank you for stopping by. Turn a page. We definitely love seeing all the comments in the chat. Definitely on the replays. Hit us up. Let us know what books you are interested in having us cover. And remember, when you're at the comic shops and you have a great issue in your hands, such as Kingdom Come by DC Comics, and you see somebody struggling to find something, hand yours off to them. Tell them to turn a page. We'll see you next week. I'm out.